and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPics.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we are talking about something I bet a lot of you are talking about too, which is teens and activism. Yes. It's been all over the news lately, and we want to talk about what's happening, what are the risks and opportunities for kids, how can we encourage kids as parents ourselves, and still protect them because... We're parents. Yep. <laughs> and as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So, Liz. I'm really glad we're talking about this. Quite a lot has happened since we last spoke. It's been a tough week. Of course, just like a little personal background, the day of this horrific shooting in Parkland, Florida, is the day my kids went off on vacation out of Ugh. the country for 12 days with their father. That is tough. <laughs> so having an entire week of, like, no kids to keep me off the TV and no kids to hug, ugh. It's been a tough week. But here's what's really cool. You know, my kids and I talk a lot about current events, and they're very kind of active themselves. They're 10 and 12, but they're very connected to social issues. They are. And I looked at my daughter's private Instagram feed, and she was using it to write about, like, how the kids are mobilizing in this March for Our Lives. And I was like, wow, wow. We don't know it. Our kids are so hyper aware. And this is from, like, Argentina, not even connected with her schoolmates in person. So she is, like, hearing about issues. She's figuring how to activate they're talking about it and she texted me right away and said did you hear about this what do you think about this and I said I think it's great and I want to support whatever it is you're passionate about so I'm so glad we're talking about kids and teens in particular and activism because I think this is something a lot of parents are kind of grappling with I agree with you and I think it's a great point that you bring up too that our kids might be more connected than we even think they are. They're on Instagram. They might be on Facebook and Twitter. They're not just looking at the feeds of their friends. So many teens and even tweens that I know are really connected to current events and what's going on. And I think sometimes as parents, we forget that. You know, we're like, how do we talk to our kids about this? Well, hey, if they're on social media, it's trending. They're probably already looking at it. So you brought up a great point. Everybody is political these days, honestly. You know, over the past year, 18 months, like celebrities. Oh, no, Liz, you're bringing chefs. up the P word again. <laughs> that damn P word. But everybody's talking about, okay, how about P for policy? Oh, so there's all different like policies that. that people care about, whether it's about, you know, helping people in Puerto Rico with humanitarian aid, or whether we're talking about the environment, or we're talking about stuff like gun control. I mean, this is what celebrities are talking about these days. And so if our kids are following Broadway stars or artists or children's book authors or the actors they admire. They're reading about it from here. It's not just trending hashtags. I think the people who our kids look up to are talking about these things. I agree with you. And certainly it's not a new concept. So let's talk about this a bit because we've spoken about it ourselves off the podcast that trauma often turns people into activists. This is not a new concept. This is something that has happened and you've got some great examples. Yeah, I think we all ask ourselves this question. Like, if I was faced with some really traumatic incident, how would I handle it? Would I retreat? Would I be really depressed? Would I have a hard time? Or would I be active? For example, there are a lot of women we know who are really brave, incredible breast cancer survivors, and they've become really active with their social platforms because it's switched their perspective. If you think about it that way, it's not so strange to think of kids who were not activists suddenly becoming activists, right, because of something that happened in their life that was traumatic. You know, recently, Tarana Burke, who started the Me Too movement, um, the entire civil rights movement, right? Yes. Black Lives Matter. I mean, these Absolutely. are people whose lives were affected by 
anti violence and discrimination and they became activists. James Brady and Gabby Giffords for gun protections, Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's, um, Christopher Reeves, which brought attention to spinal cord injury. You know, sometimes the things in our life have the power to really transform our perspectives. And so to see teens doing this, there's not much question in my mind as to like why. I, I think it's a constructive way to channel all the passion and anger and horror they're feeling right now. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I am inspired by what they are doing. I think for so many of us, at least I speak for myself, that I have felt um, stifled in a way and unable to really grasp what I can do. Yeah. I just feel helpless. And to watch these kids mobilize and to hear their voices and read their words is truly motivating and inspiring. And I think I'm living vicariously through them. Like I live through my own children. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and their own activities. I'm living through these kids. Now, what do you think is different this time? That's a question that we hear. I mean, you're on Twitter a lot. I'm not on there as much. But I feel like this question is continually asked over the, yeah, at least the last yeah. week. What's different this time? Because, yeah. oh my gosh, there have been so many school shootings. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's beyond ridiculous. There have been 18 incidents on a school property this year alone. Just this year. That's insane. And it's only yeah. February. It's ridiculous. I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons that this is different. And just as we were trying to answer this question, I stumbled on this really great tweet from Susan Davis, who who covers Congress for NPR. And she said, a thought on 17-year-olds. It strikes me how unique their generation is. Born and raised in the 9-11 era, right? That was 17 years ago. Into a nation at war their entire lives and already witnessed 19 of the 33 deadliest shootings in America since World War II. Must shape or be shaping worldviews in ways we don't fully grasp yet. Mm. And I thought that was a Striking. fascinating yeah. and brilliant yes. perspective that this is a generation that this is their world, right? They were born mm -hmm. during or after Columbine. So they haven't known anything else. So I, I think that's a really interesting perspective. The other thing you know, this generation, these are the digital natives, right? Yes. So they're online, they're aware, they're active, they're motivated, they're connected. You know, we always joke about like the horrors of social media and oh God, Snapchat. I found a really good article in Vox and we will link all of these links that we mentioned today up on Cool Mom Picks. If Absolutely. You want to find them. Mm -hmm. So they interviewed Delaney Tarr, who's a senior from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, where the shooting happened. She's one of the incredible teens who are helping organize this movement. She said, we're teenagers who have nothing to lose. We don't have jobs to protect. We don't have anything we need to conserve right now. We're just teenagers who were victims and we're ready to speak out. So I thought that was a great point. You know, a lot of us are like nervous to talk about issues because it could affect us in certain ways. And I think there's that kind of fearlessness of teens where they like, what do they have to lose? Yeah, being well, yeah, it's a great point. And then she talks specifically about where these kids come from, because some people are like, oh, Florida, red state. But, you know, it's actually not. It's a very mixed state if you look at Florida in general. And certainly Broward County is fairly affluent and a little more liberal. And so she wrote that. She said, we're lucky enough to come from a very affluent neighborhood. We go to an amazing school that's given us so many opportunities to learn about government, to learn about policy, to learn about social issues. We have so many clubs and classes dedicated to this kind of thing. So we know what we're talking about. And if you've seen any of these kids on the news, yes. they do. They know what they're talking about. They do. She said, we've always been ready to speak out about this, but this has hit so close to home now. We have to speak about this right now. Yeah. 
And, you know, there was also a New Yorker article where they interviewed Jacqueline Corrin from the school, and they asked her if she had been politically active before the shooting, and she said, not even a little bit, but it's so personal now. Mm, I would feel yes. horrible if I didn't do anything about it. And this is really good, Kristen. My coping mechanism is to distract myself with work and helping people. That really, like, punched me in the gut, because mm-hmm. we've talked about that a yeah, lot. Yeah, absolutely. When we don't know yeah. what to do, we write. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're writers. Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. We write up lists of organizations you can support that are helping to save lives with common sense gun protections. Or we write about organizations that help refugees in Syria. Or, you know, when there's something going on that's out of our control, we see, like, what can we do to help? And what we do is we publish information, we publish books, we promote articles we think are great, and we help parents find things to get them involved and distracted and feeling more empowered. So it makes perfect sense that the kids are feeling the same way. I mean, it's so funny you brought up the idea that these kids are, not you brought up, but, you know, that Delaney Tar was saying how, you know, they're in clubs, they're in classes. I mean, they're in the thick of it, right? Like they're in high school, they're learning this stuff. I mean, I'm 41. I I don't remember the last time I took a social studies class. It makes me want to though, right? I'm so far removed from this stuff and they're right in the middle of it. It's fresh in their minds. This girl, Jacqueline, also said that she had just done a 50-page project about gun control for an AP paper. See? So these kids are like smart. It's kind of like when my kids are like, Mom, what year did the war of blah, blah, blah take place? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, oh, God, it was 1742. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't been in social studies for a long time. You guys, Look, I kid, don't know. I had to let that information go so that I could remember your birthday. Okay. <laughs> and then I think also people have asked, like, why is this catching on? Like, what's different yes. with this? Yes. Beyond, you know, the kids and their age and their access to social. You know, they had a name, right? They're using uh, never again as the hashtag. They had a clear goal, which is very specific, stricter background checks, because this maniac purchased seven guns legally without background checks in Florida. And they provided a specific way to take action, which is this march that they coordinated, the March for Our Lives, on March 24th. And I think that's one of the issues with kind of failed activism, is you're not sure what the motives are, you're not clear what the action items are. Some people may take issue with this, but I think that was one of the issues with Occupy Wall Street. You know, it was like all this passion and energy, and people were like, but what what are they doing? What are they asking for? What do they want to do with all this? What do they want to motivate people to do? And it was never clear. And I think the fact that these kids within 24 hours channeled this grief and rage and community and togetherness into something productive is, it blows me away. And I think also, I feel like it's what so many of us have wanted to do. Again, don't want to speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself and say that it is so empowering to watch them and listen to them because I feel like they're speaking for so many of us. And it's equally startling to have someone in high school speak for you, but it's also equally amazing, you know, (laughs) to watch a 17-year-old channel what you're thinking, but also hopeful, so hopeful. Exactly. And you know what? When you say this is supporting a lot of people, that's actually backed by data, Kristen. Oh, the data nerd is here. this week, Quinnipiac polled thousands of Americans, Republican, Democrat, Independent, old, young, black, white, men, women, and what they found it is 97% of all Americans support universal background checks for gun purchases. That's amazing. And the pollsters online are so funny. They're like, if you asked, do you like apple pie? If you asked, is the earth round? You would not get 97%. <laughs> Literally, you would not. And by the way, 
Only 2% were against it because 1% was undecided. So 97%, possibly 98% support universal background checks. I think what they're doing is channeling the anger of a nation that responsible gun owners feel like, let's figure out how to get guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Now, on the devil's advocate side of all this, and we've heard it, I'm sure listeners have heard it too, there's this idea that as parents in supporting these kids or our own kids in their activism, we are in some way indoctrinating them, right? So (laughs) we're letting them take on our own beliefs or values. And I'm thinking, isn't that parenting? I mean, (laughs) part of parenting is that they're going to get what you believe, right? Yeah. I mean, I always kind of use the analogy that when you take your kid to your church or your synagogue or your temple, you're not indoctrinating them, right? You're like introducing them to your value system or whatever, you know, shapes your family and what's important to you. So I think the fact that parents talk to their kids about the issues they care about, about the news, about politics, it makes perfect sense. I mean, we want our children to share our values, hopefully. Or conversely, we want to raise independent, critical thinking kids who have their own issues they care about, and they may not be our issues. I mean, I don't know for a fact if all these kids from Parkland have parents that support these views. I hope they support their activism. But, you know, I I just don't know. I don't know what their backgrounds are. And so when I think about the things my kids got excited about or are passionate about, it's not always my things. Like sometimes one will come home and she's really upset about the treatment of animals. And honestly, that's not like high on my list. I don't care about animals. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I care about animals, but like I kind of, I'm a little in the people world first. Please don't yell at me, animal people. Oh God. Oh, they can yell at (laughs) me. I love animals. I'm just not like a PETA person. Yes. And so uh, my (laughs) you're like, yell at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great example though. I mean, that's a great example because, you know, the animal thing for me too, but I do understand and respect the passion behind it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, where we're coming from. I mean, we have to be honest, right, Liz, there are people that are totally indoctrinating their kids. Sure. They they are. There are. I mean, it's happening. But you know, Okay, can I drop an awesome name here? Uh, Sure. So I had the privilege of meeting Chelsea Clinton a couple years ago during the election. My kids were at an event because I was indoctrinating them. (laughs) (laughs) And they got to ask her a question about basically how her mom helped shape who she was. And I loved her answer. And I hope whatever your leanings are, our listeners, that you guys will listen to this because it was wonderful. She said every morning when she was a kid, like in grade school, she was forced to sit down. (laughs) Forced. She was asked to sit down at the, the breakfast table and she read the paper and her parents would say, what did you see in the paper today that interested you, that you care about? And she would tell them. And the next thing was, what are you going to do about it? Mm. And so she really grew up having to learn for herself, what are the issues you care about? What are the facts to support it? Because you have to know. And what can you do to take action? And so she talked about how she was really obsessed with recycling. And she was very upset with the six-pack plastic tabs. Do you remember this? That were like catching around birds' necks and killing them in landfills. And so she started cutting up all these six-pack tabs and pasting them to poster board and putting them all around her school to try to spread awareness about cutting up these plastic tabs. I thought that was really cool. And it may or may not have been her parents' biggest issue. I'm going to imagine no. (laughs) But they encouraged her to find what she was passionate about and then do something about it. And I thought that was really a great lesson. And so when my kids talked about loving animals and wanting to do more for animals, we made it an annual tradition each year that we would donate to the World Wildlife Fund around Christmas. And they would each pick out one animal to adopt or support. And they would get information about that in the mail so they could learn more about that animal. And, you know, the stuffed animal. 
animal that comes in the mail at dinner. I was going to say, and now you have a real tiger in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just a little stuffed one. Um, so yeah, so I guess I felt like I wanted to support, you know, the things that they cared about. And honestly, it would be different if the stuff they cared about really went against my values. I think that's where that would be the struggle. That is the struggle. And I'm thinking, like for me personally, my values took a big turn from my parents and my mom specifically. And I think it's challenging. So I, I don't know how I would be. I think we're both fortunate that our kids align with us. I mean, and I say fortunate because I think it is hard. It's hard when you believe in something or believe something so strongly and your kids aren't able to see eye to eye or don't want to see eye to eye. So, you know, I imagine maybe at some point that will happen. But considering I'm always right, I don't think they will. <laughs> well, they won't know that for another 10 or 20 years, but it is true because yeah. your parents are always right. Our parents are always right. But you know what? It's kids' job to push us too. Yes. And you look at like the will and grace effect. That's a real thing in the 90s. They highly credit will and grace with the acceptance of same-sex relationships and same-sex marriage in this country because once kids grow up and young adults grow up seeing that on TV and realizing it's not a big deal, they really couldn't understand what the problem was. It was just regular people like us that fell yeah. in love. Yeah. And so that's their job is to push <laughs> and to learn and to do better than we did. And I think that's what's been really motivating about these kids is, I think I said this on my personal Facebook page, that I feel like these conflicting feelings of being really motivated and inspired by these kids and humbled by their action and really kind of guilty and shamed and awful that we didn't fix this for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are many issues, but this one in particular, I think, is most... I don't know. I don't know what to know. say. There's it's, not, it's striking, difficult, awful. I mean, there's so many words to describe um, how we have failed this one in particular. There are many, yeah. but this one I feel like you. So I feel like this is a good time. I feel like people are listening. I think that Quinnipiac poll supports the fact that it's time to do something because doing nothing has not been effective. If you have years of like having a cavity and not getting it filled and it's getting worse and worse, at some point you're like, oh, maybe I should get my cavity filled, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we have to do something. And I think this is a really good place to start. But let's talk about like different things that kids can do because I know my kids are like, what can we do? What can we do? And there's kind of a continuum. Yeah, it is. And certainly you talk about donating to like the World Wildlife Fund was something that your kids wanted to do. We've done that with Donors Choose. Of course, it's not necessarily about this issue when it comes to, you know, background checks and gun control. I really love Donors Choose because you do see the effects of what you've given yes. because they send thank you notes, they send photos. I mean, you're waiting to open your thank you notes. I got a bunch of thank you notes from preschoolers with adorable drawings. Um, oh. I funded a pre-K class. Oh, God. Yeah, to go to Sesame Street Live and it was amazing and you know what it was what did they amazing. send you they sent me little drawings of Sesame Street characters oh it was gosh, adorable awesome. and so you know what for my kids and for kids to see that I think that really helps you know especially if they're sending off money or donating online where there's not even an exchange of cash for them I, I feel like it's hard to show the meaning so when you're able to see those thank you notes or whatever it is that's tangible I think it really helps especially younger that's kids. that's a great point Kristen I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because first of all and we've talked about this offline but I think kids are naturally altruistic they're naturally they giving like you've I ever do, seen I a agree. kid share their toy or pet a dog like they're giving and loving and so I 
think it's a great point that when they can see the money they raise and see where it's going, it's very impactful. I still remember my brother in second grade raising money for um, Cambodian refugees, I believe. And like the local news channel came to his school and filmed them in second grade. And you know what? Today, he grew up to work in politics. That's amazing. I think in part influenced by the fact that in second grade, he saw the impact of his education about the issue, about how they could help, about raising, you know, $40 or whatever they raised to send off. And that really changed his life. And so I think that kids are capable of doing a lot. And that's why even just like putting aside a little of their allowance each month or each week or raising money or having a bake sale. The kids in my daughter's middle school, I know they've sold friendship bracelets or a lot of them kind of like make things and then sell them to try to raise money for causes. So I think that's kind of cool too. Yeah, no, we actually have an economic fair. Um, My third graders. Yeah, and so they raised money. There was a little girl in the school who was in third grade who passed away and her parents started a fund maybe four or five years ago. And what they do is all the kids have to come up with a business idea, a marketing plan and create products or if they sell services and then they have an economic fair and all the money raised goes towards this fund. Can your third graders come give a lesson to our seventh graders? Because they (laughs) They can can really use that. That's really good. I think the other thing they can do is like they can start a club. Like my daughter and her friends, they decided they didn't have student council in the middle school. And they're like, we want student council. And they had, you know, like, I want to be the president and I want to be this. And I said, you know, you might want to have an election. I don't think you guys should self-appoint yourselves to the student council. Right, right, But I love that they came up with this idea and they approached one of the humanities teachers and she was like, yeah, let's like see if we can do this. So, you know, activism doesn't even have to be about anything specific. It can just be about getting involved in your school and your community and having a voice so that you can learn more about what the issues are and discover what you want to be active in. Exactly. I mean, and I know you have like writing letters to the editor, writing letters to organizations. There are things that kids can do at home in their small or whatever your community is, that school community or your town that doesn't, I don't think it needs to be overwhelming. I think that's a great way to get kids started is just getting their feet but wet. Yet letters from yes. kids in their handwriting yes. with their names and ages, that is a very impactful it thing to really, do. I can really assure you. Is. We went to see a reading from John and Hank Green recently. They came to oh, New York and did a I reading. I know. They're so yeah, great. Yeah, it was awesome. fun. They taped their podcast. And, you know, because their podcast is all listener letters, they ask at the beginning of the show if everybody could write on an index card what their question is. Well, it turned out my kids were the only kids there, which surprised me because it was like the young adult series at the Thalia. Oh. So I told my kids, write your name and ages. Trust me. Trust me. And sure enough, theirs were like the first ones read out loud. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, adults want to hear from kids, actually. I agree. Despite some of I the agree. crazies on social media yelling about, you know, teenagers being indoctrinated, most people in charge, they, they do. They're inspired by kids that have a passion in something, whatever it is. Now, your kids have done a lot of volunteering. Um, it, it can be challenging for families. And I know on Cool Mom Picks, we've put up different apps and organizations that help connect families with younger children with organizations. I know where we are, it is a little tricky to find organizations where kids as young as mine, you know, my oldest is 13, but my youngest is seven, can volunteer and be more active in the community. What about you guys? Because I know your, yeah. your oldest has done some volunteering. Yeah. Well, first of all, we had a great post on
on Martin Luther King Jr. Day this year about Perfect. family ideas for making it a day of service and yes. not just a day off. So we'll yeah. link to that. Oh, great. Because it has some really good ideas of like how to find days of service or opportunities to volunteer or how to plan like your own activity. It's it's really good. I mean, we actually have a lot of posts like this. I think Kate has also written some posts about volunteering as a family and some things you can do, particularly in helping your community, whether it's for the library or walking stray dogs, you know, at the local shelter. I think there's a lot of options for kids. So we can um, link up some of those on our site. But I mean, there's no shortage this day and age. Even if you're 90210, there is something <laughs> that your community <laughs> needs help with that your kids can get involved with. Trust me, everyone is underfunded these days. And then there's certainly like bigger things like marching or starting a foundation. Like we get so many pitches from, you know, teenagers and kids who have started companies in part to give back to causes they care about or kids that have started like leadership foundations for other girls like them or to train people of color to become involved in leadership or to run for office. So I think the world is open to kids and the tools that they have available to them through the web and social media, it's just infinite, like what they can do. But, you know, like, don't feel bad if your kid is not like interested in starting a foundation. <laughs> I think if they just want to write a letter about clean air to someone or, you know, whatever it is they care about, I think that's just a great start to get your kids to see that they have a voice that it matters that even if they're not old enough to vote, they still can have an impact. Yes. And it's a great lesson in civic involvement. And I think if we've learned anything over the last couple of years, it's that we need a lot more people to be involved in civics and to have their voices heard in this country. A lot country. more women so that, and people of color, by the way. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, people of color, they show up, man. Stating the obvious here. <laughs> it's like but white yes. people. Well, me white people. <laughs> we need to like get out there more. You know, we can't take for granted the good in the world, yes. we have to work for it. And we owe that to a lot of incredible leaders and future leaders like these kids from Parkland, Florida. And I think that's why I'm just so impressed. And then, of course, there's like the big ones, right? Like starting a foundation, running for office. I mean, these are possible. These are things that if you have a passionate kid, you know, I don't know if a seven-year-old will be running for office anytime soon, but you Probably know what? Probably not. Probably, Probably not. I don't think that's legal. But you know what? There are ways that if you do have kids who are super excited about doing something like this. And you know what's interesting? I think, you know, I tell my kids all the time that they're going to find their tribe. They need to find their tribe and they need to find yeah. their passion. Yeah. And I feel like we're oftentimes not giving our kids enough opportunities. Like we lean towards sports, we lean towards arts, but you know what? You might have a kid who just that kind of stuff hasn't resonated for them. Maybe activism, maybe volunteering or helping in their community is their passion. I Don't you feel like we oftentimes just focus so much on like playing the violin or, you know, doing theater or playing hockey. Like those are the things we that as are... parents. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think I mean, so. I think that's what's offered to kids too, like as extracurriculars. There's not really like a volunteering or like a start an organization after school or extracurricular activity. But, but... you know what? Those passions can lead to activism within those fields. So I it's think, true. I think it true. depends on your mindset. So if there is a yearbook or a newspaper class at your school, journalism is <laughs> important. It's the fourth estate, right? 
so there's something right there. If your kids are excited about the arts, they may learn about programs that are, you know, for example, bringing theater to inner city kids so that more kids have access to that and maybe kids want to get involved with that somehow. If they're involved with sports, maybe they're concerned about the concussion issue and they want to get involved with that. I think there's actually all kinds of ways for kids to have their voices heard about their passions, whatever those passions may be. You know, my parents are kind of active in terms of collecting glass, glass blowers, and they used to donate money to a foundation that helped glass blowers. How specific is this? That's who had really been like injured or paralyzed or like you know needed like a resource fund because they you know they had some dire financial need or emergency. Basically, anything you're into, you can probably find a way to support people somehow. Yes, and yeah, that's really specific, right? No, 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 that's <laughs> super specific. So let's just finish up by telling our listeners what we're telling our kids. Like, what do we tell kids? Not necessarily about the content of what seems to have activated these teenagers right now, but in general, about when it comes to these issues, yes, and activism. Well, you know, again, like I kind of take that Chelsea Clinton page. So when the kids say that there's something they care about, I make sure they research it and they have information that they know what they're doing and they know what their goals are. So that's first to me. And then, you know, I was kind of looking around for advice that other people tell their kids and I found this great article in Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue, who would know that they have like the most amazing journalism lately? They do. And it was eight young, like 20-something activists and their advice to enacting change. And I will link this up on Cool Mom Picks as well. And here's what they said. Be clear about your goals, which is something we talked about. Be a critical thinker. Okay. So we talked about that too. So in other words, read a lot. Get to know all sides of your issues. We publish a lot of articles on Cool Mom Picks about books that help inspire activism in kids. And so that stuff is great. You should be patient and be persistent. No, you don't get quick results. And I think that's actually a challenge for kids who oh, kind this of... this day and age especially. Yeah. I mean, We're really. in like immediate gratification land. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I bring up my microfiche every time anyone, uh, you don't want to talk about something that takes forever. Like we used to have to search for things on microfiche. <laughs> <laughs> we had to walk 18 blocks to the library and get a dictionary and wait online well, to just check so it out. used to getting everything so quickly, you know, text messages. Like it used to take forever to get a hold of people. So I think that's a great lesson for them to learn about life in general. It's true. I mean, look, even adults. Yes. Like I've heard them say, I wrote to my congressman and I haven't heard back. You're like, like, uh, did the letter actually it, get give there Give it 24 yet? hours? I love the idea, too, <laughs> of seeking support when you need it, taking care of yourself. And this is a big one, is celebrating the small wins, right? Yes. The small victories are so important with us. And that's where I think we as parents can be a positive guiding force. Yes. And point out those small wins. I mean, don't we do that for each other all the time? You're on Facebook and a friend says they're having the worst day and tell me something positive and I'll be like but you know you just did this great thing three days ago and sometimes you just need like a reminder that there's good things that there's wins in your life that makes me think of Emily McDowell's pins remember her everyday bravery pins yes where like she celebrates those small things like I drank a bottle of water today you know I have one that says spoke my mind there you go like so (laughs) I, I think of it like that those small victories are really important especially for kids but for anyone in general like we all need to celebrate those small wins so this is great and you know here's something else that I think is a really good point which is don't let the negativity get you down because mm-hmm. when you're taking on an issue you're yes. going to find negativity whether it's people who are you know have the opposite view or you're just finding failures or stumbling blocks or obstacles in your way and actually the reason I got that spoke my mind Emily McDowell pin is because when I was younger like when I was in my 20s I was always getting in trouble for saying what I believed believe it or not and it was like a negative like oh Liz is really outspoken she's really opinionated I was the person in advertising who would sit in a meeting and we're 
were supposed to recommend like some terrible commercial to a client. And the client would look at me and say, well, you're like 20 something. You're in the target audience. What do you think? And I'd be like, I think it's terrible. <laughs> and I would get in so much trouble. So and I'm you like, deserve well, I want to be time. honest. I want to be yeah. honest. It's important to me to like tell people what I really think and not hurt them just because we want to sell something. So that's always been me. Like, look, now we have a website. We run a podcast. I found a way to use my annoying opinions <laughs> to make a living. <laughs> that's perfect. You know, and, and you also mentioned taking care of yourself. I know that's a big one for you. Absolutely. Self-care, especially this year. But I think we need to start our kids early when it comes to taking care of themselves. I talk to my kids all the time, like when they're like, I have a stomach ache or I'm really tired. I talk to them about, why do you think that happened? What did you eat today? You know, did you get enough rest? Like even those little small things add up as they get older. Yeah. I think we need to start the message of self-care, especially for our girls. It's been genderized. I think men typically are better at self-care than women are. Mm, Um, But I think we need to start early and have kids understand that it's important for them to take care of themselves. It's not selfish. It's what's needed. So anyway, listen, we're going to have all of the links that we talked about. We mentioned a lot over on coolmompicks.com on our podcast page. Page. But we would love to hear from you too. If you have thoughts about this, if you and your kids or your kids alone have activated themselves in some way for a cause, whether it's the one we're talking about specifically or any others, we'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us at Cool Mom Picks with a hashtag Spawn Show, drop us a line on Facebook, or you can email us spawned at coolmompicks.com. And I'm actually glad we're ending what is actually kind of a tough topic on a positive note. Yes. Should we talk about Cool Picks of the Week? Yes, we should. You know what it's time for. Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And listen, I have to do two of these. Really? Yes. I'm going to speak my mind. You know what? We don't have a guest. So it's like you get to be Kristen and the guest. Okay. Kristen, as our guest, you go first. (laughs) Okay. So I just want to recommend that everyone watch the new Queer Eye. It's back with a new cast. Everyone's telling me that it's so I good. I know. It's on Netflix. The first episode in particular is lovely. Um, I find it kind of funny. They basically just sent them to Georgia. <laughs> and I used to live in Georgia and I love Georgia, but you know, it's hilarious. They basically <laughs> sent these guys to Georgia and the whole season is them in Georgia. <laughs> Not Atlanta, right? Like No, all around. All, all around in Georgia. Georgia. Atlanta, other parts of the state. And so the cast is lovely. It's very much modeled in the same way. It'll be familiar to you if you loved the original version. I don't think it's as funny to me. I loved those guys so much, but I think also I grew to love them over time. So anyway, The New Queer Eye. The show we need today. On Netflix. It's positive and oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, it's a great one. But listen, here's what I really want to talk about. As we were chatting about this topic, it made me think about these two lovely girls in my own town of Doylestown. They have created something called The Pick Project. And if you go to Facebook, it's facebook.com slash The Pick, P-I-C-K Project. 232. And what these girls are doing is that they are taking recycled gift cards, old, you know, those hotel key cards that people have. Yeah. And they're making guitar picks out of them to help raise money so that local kids can take arts programs both in and out of their schools. That's so smart. It is so smart. I have so many of those. Do I, you I see? Stuff they them would, in my pocket and forget about them. They I them would love them. And, you know, their mom is a friend of mine, Meg. Hey, Meg. She's a listener. She's a teacher. And she is helping these kids. But I have to say, these girls have gotten a lot of support from local musicians who are using their picks, who are helping spread the word 
word. And so I just want to give a shout out to these two girls who are really trying to change the world and get more music and arts to more kids, which, of course, as a former music therapist, I am very thrilled about. And also, by the way, doing something great with all the waste, right? All those old gift cards and hotel cards that probably yes. end up in landfills. They're actually doing something with them. So it's like it's like a twofer. See, kids are awesome. <laughs> Leave it to kids and they will lead the way. Exactly. So anyway, The Pick Project, you can find them on Facebook. They're also on Instagram. Go show your support. You can even send over any old cards that you might have or just donate a few bucks or a lot of bucks. And by the way, they're making really cool things. They're making like jewelry and keychains. Like they're super oh crafty, gosh, these that's girls. awesome. So anyway, that's my pick. Actually, I think I have a cool one left over from like the Planet Hollywood Las Vegas. Oh, there you go. That would probably make Ooh. a great one. It might have the Backstreet Boys on it or something. Oh my goodness. Of course. <laughs> you still have that. Okay, so what's your cool pick of the week, Liz? So, this week, as you know, I went to Toy Fair, which is the annual big, yes. big old toy convention Lucky in New York you. at the Javits Center. We see everything that's new and cool for the upcoming year. And I know you already did a big post about the top trends from Toy Fair and a bunch of the products that were there that helped support that. And then one of the things I do is kind of look for, like, the new up-and-coming companies that we haven't seen. Now, I have to say, first of all, I was a little disheartened by I thought I would see a lot more go Girl, empowering female type things, you know, in light of Wonder Woman and Black Panther. I thought I would see more like diversity. It was lacking. And uh, yeah, it was hard. I like walked up and down the costume aisle and saw entire booths with like huge giant portraits of, you know, 30 kids wearing costumes and they're all white kids. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's 2018. So at that point, I was so riled up. I ended up in this part of the hall that's all like the new up and coming people. Yeah, that's my favorite spot. Me too. Like yeah. we we always joke that we look for the little booths. Yep. With um yep. like six people crammed in one because they can't afford their own booth. <laughs> and we're like, those are our people. Yes. Like we started Cool Mom Picks to help support those kinds of businesses. So one of the first ones I found there, I was overcome with joy. It's called Bevy and Dave. It's a mom-run company. They are in Northern Virginia, right outside D.C. And they made this amazing black history block set. It's called History Makers Wooden Puzzle Block Set. And the mom, Tiffany, who started this company, you can tell she comes out of education because they're so thoughtful. There's six sides to the blocks. It's like a great preschool or like early grade gift. And there's a few puzzles, like kind of picture puzzles. One of them is all history makers with people like Alvin Ailey and Thurgood Marshall and Jackie Robinson. And then a whole lot of people that you probably haven't even heard of that much or the names we're not as familiar with, like Daniel Williams, who was one of the first people to do open heart surgery successfully and is African-American. A lot of people don't know that. And then when you flip around the blocks, like each letter is corresponded with a cool word, like, you know, activism or compassion as opposed to like cat and ball. That's fantastic. <laughs> so really smart. They look great. It's a cool small company. Um, it's bevyanddave.com, B-E-V-Y. And you can find that on Cool Mom Picks. Yay! And uh, it's just, it's a great product. It's just a good toy too. <laughs> like what kid doesn't want to play with colorful, awesome blocks? All kids want to play with them. I want to play with them. Exactly. I'm not even a kid anymore. Okay, great. Well, listen, thanks to everyone for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, for making us sound like we're huddled together in a closet somewhere when really we're not. I'm in Philly. Liz is in New York. <laughs> I'd be happy to be in a closet with you anytime, Krista. <laughs> Same here. And listen, we love hearing from you. 
Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think and make sure to subscribe. In fact, you can do that right now. If you're listening on your phone, just click the subscribe button. And then that means that you will get our episodes automatically every time we publish them. You don't have to go searching for them. They'll be right there. Or writing there. us saying, when's your next one? When's your next one? I mean, Although I love the enthusiasm. Thank you for yeah. the listeners who've been concerned that we haven't been um, publishing quite as regularly. We are going to start in with every week starting now. Yes, right now. And then, of course, be sure to download our Save our episodes. It actually helps other people find our podcast. I know it seems weird because it's just your phone, but it does. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.